This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. It is Easter, and Easter has solved one of the greatest mysteries throughout all of humanity. Um, One of the great mysteries at the Tyler House happened just uh, a few years ago when we had just moved into a house. Some friends of ours were staying there. It was like almost our first night. They were on their way through town, a grown man and his wife with children my age. And uh, the next day, about three in the afternoon, I was headed someplace with him. And he looks over at me and he says, oh, hey, I forgot to mention that uh, there were a couple of guys standing on your deck last night out back. I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and there were just two guys standing out there and I thought you should know. That's not a wait till three o'clock the next day. Oh, by the way, that's a go get Darren right now. There's a couple of dudes. Let's get them. Right? So I, I make some sort of comment like, well, that's, that felt like something like you should have woke me up for. And he says, oh, well, I just thought maybe they were there for your daughter or for Maddie. Okay, that didn't, that's not better. (laughs) So a couple things happened at that moment. One was I realized he and I cannot be friends anymore. (laughs) And the second one is we had a mystery to solve. And so I, you know, I do what I, I ask my daughter the next morning. She's 16, 17 at that time. And she says, oh no, dad, I I have no idea uh, who that could have been. And, uh, and so I show, I'm asking all my kids, any idea? No, no, no. And, and again, we just moved there, so nobody knew we lived there yet. And, um, and I show a picture of uh, my daughter's young, uh, let's say, man friend. And does this look like him? Is it who it could have been? He says, yeah, I think that was him. They were real young. He had, a, had another guy with him, but I think that's him. So I go back to Maddie. Oh, Dad, I swear. I, you know, I, and so I finally I call the young man. I'm like, look, I, I like you. But we, we, I just need to know before I go spend a bunch of money on security and all the, like, just so you think, I won't kill you, I won't, but was it you? No, no, I swear. So here it is 10 years later. I have a, 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 a witness that is not exactly credible. You know, the guy at three in the afternoon, oh, by the way, and he didn't have his glasses on. So, and I mean, I can't really trust his witness. I got a, a daughter that, uh, if, if it, you know, by the way, you could set off a bomb next to her when she sleeps and it would not wake her up. Like, that's how deep. So, I don't know if it was there, if it was. But to this day, that mystery has been unsolved in our family. And like any good mystery that's unsolved, doesn't it? It kind of leaves us unsettled a little bit. Uh, if there's anything I know that Americans love, it's a good, it's a good mystery. Every crime a junkie podcast, every platform. In fact, we've, I'll tell you how much we love it. We've kept Keith Morrison employed for 30 years because we love mysteries in America. But Paul tells us that there's a mystery that was solved in Romans chapter 16 that solves not the who done it, but the why done it. Like, there's a whodunits forever, but the why is there continuing to be podcasts needed for true crime? Because there apparently is no shortage of them. And Paul solves this, that Christ's resurrection solves that mystery for us. And the mystery, he says in verse 25, to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel 
the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles, all the nations, might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. The mystery that Paul is talking about there, he actually tells us what it is in Colossians 1, verse 25, when he says that the mystery is Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, you might not have known that was a mystery. You might not have even thought that there was a mystery to that. And if you do, it's because you don't know what the word glory means. This, the only wise God to him, we're going to give glory to. The, the word glory that Paul used in, in the Greek language was a word called doxa. So we would get our word doxology from. But it was not what they meant. Plato, Aristotle, Marcus Aurelius, ancient philosophers used the word doxa in speaking about this idea of an unknowable, self-evident thing. Like, we know this is evident, but we don't know why this is evident. And so it's actually a negative in their language. And in fact, Plato, in one of his uh, plays, they, they had this idea, uh, Socrates, I'm sorry, that if we could understand the doxa, this language doxa, if we could understand this understandable thing, then we could achieve what is they called logos, which was the meaning behind everything. The, the, the answer to everything is what Stephen B. Hawking went to his grave trying to understand, the theory of everything. And it was called the Logos. So what you see with writers like John or Paul is they took a word from their culture in their language that meant something to them and said that this idea of doxa, of this thing that isn't understandable, it is actually very understandable in Christ, and that Christ in you is the hope of doxa, of glory in you. The, the idea that I can't understand how the world works, the old who am I, why am I here, all those questions are answered in Christ. The Old Testament, by the way, would use the word glory, it would use the word kavod, it's spelled K-A-B-O-D, and it means weight, heft, like when the Shekinah glory would fall down, the, the, they used the word kavod. When the Greek writers would translate that Hebrew into Greek, they used the word doxa, because to them, that heaviness, that explained what was going on in the universe, because God is the answer to that hole in your hearts that philosophers, ideologists, theologians, and scientists have been trying to answer forever. He says for long ages past that this mystery is solved. And the mystery is Christ in you is the hope. Your only hope of figuring it out, your only hope of glory, of literally that you're okay, that you're accepted, that it's going to be fine. That only hope is in Christ and Christ alone. The Weight of Glory was a book that C.S. Lewis wrote that if you have not read, I highly recommend. He understood that kavod meant weight. It meant 
purpose. It meant meaning. And it's interesting because every religion in history has had some version of trying to add weight, add purpose to it. If you've been in around Islam at all, what you know in Islam is that it is about adding weight. At the end of your life, a Muslim will stand before Allah in their belief and the scales will be there. And if they have one more heavy work than bad, good work than bad work, and that scale goes for, for good, they are saved. It's all about adding weight and it is a stifling experience in their lives because they spend their whole lives trying to be good enough. If you've been around Hinduism, Hinduism says that I am going to stop the cycle of life, of birth and rebirth, of birth and rebirth. Because if I don't do it good enough this time, the next time I come back, I'm gonna be a horse or a cricket, right? And if I could just stop that cycle, reach nirvana, reach transcendence. Listen to a lot of new age thinking that you hear from the Hollywood folks and they talk about transcendence and Richard Rohr in his theology speaks of Christ's consciousness and all he's doing is doing Hinduism with Jesus's name attached to it. But this idea that if I can somehow stop this cycle and receive and be transcendent, what you're seeing here is a picture of one of the rivers in Nepal. A Hindu, when they die, one of the only ways that they could be guaranteed that they might make it to the next level is if their bodies are burned someplace holy. They all burn their bodies because they don't need them anymore. They'll get, again, again, if you're a cricket, you're not gonna need that body, but they burn them in a holy place because it gives them a better chance. Islam is about adding weight to it. They're about trying to take a weight from it, burn away the weight of the sin in the most holy of holy places. By the way, while I was there, I got to meet Diwali Kloss. Um, like I told him what I wanted for Diwali and I didn't get it, so I feel like he ripped me off because I had to pay a dollar to sit on Diwali Kloss's lap. But that's a guy that sits across from this river as one of their gods that tries to get you into this idea of getting rid of the weight of the sin. Now, of course, most of us in our world are uh, more in maybe a secular humanist, more in a way that we would say we're gonna shed religion because if we get rid of religion, then I can get rid of the weight of the world on my shoulders. They're called the nuns, not like, you know, like Whoopi Goldberg, Sister Act Two, but like nun religion in it. And in the nun religion, it's basically, I'm trying to shed the weight of all the religion, of Southern religion, of Southern you know, Protestantism. I'm trying to shed the weight of Islam, and I'm gonna do that by pursuing just science or culture. And what we found out real quick in the last few years is you can't shed that weight. It only adds more weight to you. And in the weight of trying to even with science, right? That that's gonna be what's gonna save us. And what does it do? It adds weight onto you. If you don't do this, the climate is gonna be destroyed and we're all gonna die forever. We all have to play our part and we all have to work harder. If you don't do this and do that and do, then someone, you're gonna kill people from a disease. It, the, what we learned about science was that it was gonna put the weight of the world on our shoulders. When you see an image of Atlas, one of the ancient Greek gods holding up the world, that's what secular humanism will do to you and to me, which is we don't shed the weight of religion, we just add a religion that doesn't have a God attached to it. Progressivism says if I can just get this right, we now understand more. 
we now understand this. And so we can change. And if you've been around for the last few years, what you know is that there are things that you could say three years ago that you can't say today that were literally common sense three years ago, but today are not. And you could be canceled and you could be shamed for that because in progressivism, when there's no God and there is no standard, it's just more weight and you carry that weight. And here's the one thing every ideology and every theology and philosophy besides Christianity, they all have in common one thing and that is obedience by fear. If you are gonna get in, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna, it's scary. And what does Paul tell us in chapter 16, verse 25, that the secret to achieving this idea of glory is not obedience by fear, but obedience by faith. And obedience by faith is what Jesus made possible in his resurrection. Because in obedience by faith, what happened was, he says this about the mystery, that beyond all question, the mystery from which the true godliness, another word of us trying to achieve this idea, this God-shaped hole that Pascal called it, is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up into glory. The solving, the solution to this mystery is obedience by faith that is only available and accessible because of what Jesus did when he became one of us in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And why is that different than Islam? Why is it different than Hinduism? It's not that it's a better option. It's that it's true. But the reason that it's true is that God in obedience by faith doesn't mean that now I'm going to obey a bunch of arbitrary and capricious rules it means that through Christ, I can now step into obeying, like I obey the laws of gravity. I'm not afraid of gravity, but I obey those laws, right? There's a reason I don't step right off of this, right? Because Eric's gonna have to preach the next two services while I'm at the hospital. There are laws of gravity that I obey, not out of fear, but out of faith. In the law of Christ, his obedience to him about the way we're designed, whether it's sexuality, whether it's gender, whether it's the way that we behave with each other, they're not burdensome. Therefore, you're flourishing and not about being afraid if you don't, but about flourishing when you do. And the power of that doesn't come from you obeying it anyway. The power of it comes from you having faith in what Christ did for you, which really asks the big question, which is, what about you. Verse 25 says to him who is established, able to establish you in accordance with my gospel message, I proclaim about Jesus in keeping with the revelation. He has established you. When you get out of school, what's the thing you want to do? You want to get your own place? You know, uh, Christina has just moved. Jim and Donna's daughter has just moved to San Diego. She's establishing herself. And by establishing herself, I means she's going to get a place to live. She's got her own job. She's, if you've been around a, a, a city for a long time, there are restaurants that have been here for a long time. We call them establishments because they are strong and they are sturdy and they're standing on their own. You are not going to be able to, I am not going to be able to establish myself 
based upon my better behavior, based upon controlling my desires, based upon some sort of life hack that Tony Robbins wants to sell. The establishing of myself can only happen in Christ. Some of us think if I could just get rid of these dumb desires, you know, my desire for this or that, and I love what C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Weight of Glory, because he says this, that your desires are not too strong, your desires are too weak. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Every time that you binge a Netflix series and it's eight hours later and you're like, man, what did I just do with my life? How did you feel, right? You felt kind of gross. Video games, drugs, alcohol, they are all ways of us trying to numb this hole inside of our hearts so that we don't feel it and it doesn't solve it. It just makes it worse and it means that our desires were just not strong enough. Our desire ought to be for the glory that he has promised us. You see, he says here that we are going to right, be you know, glory, all wise glory to God, that we're gonna give glory to God, which means that the entire universe, everything we stand and look at, God gets the glory for that. He is the weight, the purpose, the meaning, all of that. But John 17 Jesus says, hey, as I have been glorified, Father, now you glorify them. Your salvation is not just about a ticket out of hell. It is that, but it is way more than that. It is your hope for glory. In the Middle Ages, when they would war and battle, and it wasn't about the gold, but it was about the glory and the glory that their names would be remembered, that their, their lives wouldn't be forgotten, that they would have a future even after they were here and gone. And Paul tells you and me that our only hope of that is not science, our hope of that. All these guys in Silicon Valley billionaires trying to figure out how to live forever, it's not going to work. But what are they seeking? They're seeking glory. They're seeking the way for their name to go on. Paul tells us, the Bible tells us, that our only hope for that is Christ in you. It's not a behavior modification plan. This mystery isn't to make bad men good or to make good men better, but the mystery is you're making dead men alive. That's the promise for you this morning. The promise for me, that's what Easter promises us. And in this room, there are going to be those of us who have been seeking glory every which way but Tuesday. And maybe you're 20 years old and you think, man, that's an old guy. I was your age once. God loves you enough. He'll let you keep taking laps around the mountain. But maybe today is the day you stop taking another lap. Maybe today's the day that you speak unto that mountain, have it be cast into the sea, the mountain of you trying to work, you trying to find your glory in everything but Jesus. 
Think into your own hearts today what your own desire is for that glory. Because Christ wants to come into you. Christ wants to, that's the, the like he lives in you. No longer is he in the buildings or temples, but that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And your name goes on and your life goes on and your glory is a part of his glory. And in the second category are Jesus people who, you're like the Galatians. I received that glory, but then I went right back into a whole other set of regulations and policies and procedures and rules and regulations and find myself buried once again under the weight of slavery, under the weight of me trying to get my own glory. If your idea standing before the throne of room of God in heaven and ask like, why do you deserve to be here? If your answer has anything that says, because I this or because I that, it means you don't understand the gospel yet. If your answer is anything other than because he, because him, because Alistair Begg tells the story of the guy, the other, the, the criminal on the cross who had been mocking Jesus and the, the one that he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. What would that guy have said at, at heaven? Like, why, you have any reason to justify why you're here? What's he going to say? I was in Bible study. I was doing discipleship classes. I was in church every Sunday. He's like, I don't, I don't know. All I know is the man in the middle cross said I could come. That's all I know is the man in the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle cross today is the one who says you can come. and I pray that you'll receive that invitation. I want to pray with you now. We're going to sing a little bit more. After the service, these doors over here are going to open. If you want prayer today, we've got talented, we've got Holy Spirit-filled wise people that want to pray with you. And I pray that you will not miss that opportunity. But as I pray for you now, if you've never been seeking your glory someplace else, would you today seek and let him fill you with his glory? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17. Our present sufferings have nothing, nothing on the weight of his glory that awaits you in the life to come. I pray that you'll receive that. Jesus, would you come today into our lives and in our hearts? Would you take up residence in us? Father, for those here that have never received that moment, have never had that I, the time to say, Lord, just be in me. I'm done chasing all this other stuff. Lord, would you come and inhabit me today? That you in me is my only hope of glory, of future. You connecting me, connecting me again to the Father, to the only wise Father through Christ. And Father, for those of us in religion, those of us to think we're going to make it back because we can get to church enough or because we can do our daily devotions long enough. Or, Lord, would you put those away from us, not as an obedience out of fear, and then reawaken them in an obedience of faith. Faith that comes from you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I pray today, man, that you just receive that glory inside of you and walk out of here the glorified Jesus people that he wants us to be.